<laughs> How's everybody doing today? Come on, let's give God a hand clap. Come on, let's give God a hand clap and a praise on today. Come on, isn't God good? Isn't God good? If he's good, come on, give him some praise for just a couple minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I want to thank you guys for coming on today. Amen. All right, we can ready to fill up now. Woo, look at all these folks coming in. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. We're on day 19 of our fast. Woo! All right. Praise God. How many feel good? All right. All right. Has this thing been a blessing? Amen. Have you guys been praying as well? Amen. You got to fast and pray. Amen. So one thing I learned is when I start complaining, that tells me that I ain't praying enough. Um, so there's, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. There's been some moments where I walked around the house and was looking at stuff I could not eat. <laughs> and the spirit was trying to get over me. And I said, I, I rebuke you. And I go through the list. I'm like, all right, we're praying for this today. And I just start praying on whatever was on the praying list for that day. Um, but this has been a blessing y'all. And, um, I'm really looking forward to doing this, uh, annually. Um, so this first year was tough for some. Um, but I think after we, after we do it for a while, um, you guys will get used to it. And um, these things come by what? Fasting and praying. You're not going to see miracles and complete manifestation of God unless you're willing to make a sacrifice. So um, we're going to have a test. We're going to take it back. We're going to have a testimony service on the first Sunday in February. Um, we're going to open the doors for anyone that wants to share what God has done for them uh, during this 21 day fast. Um, so if you're interested in coming up, please see me. Um, I know about two or three folks called me, texted me, walked up to me and told me about jobs that opened up for them. Um, so we want to hear, we want to celebrate. We want to show people what happens when you set aside that time uh, and just sacrifice for God. Amen. Amen. And look at your neighbor say, it ain't over yet. Amen. God still has a miracle for you too. Amen. God still has a miracle for you too. Uh, this has been 21 days of just craziness for me. Um, just craziness. Amen. So I'm looking for some clarity by the end of the 21st day. Amen. Amen. So we, not only are we coming to the close of our fast, but we are coming to the close of our series on the book of first Samuel. Some of y'all was like, thank you, Jesus. Amen. This is one of the longer books, um, 31 chapters. All right. And it's taken us three months to get, no, four months, October, November, December, January, four months to get through first Samuel. So y'all already know what's going to happen when we got to do songs. <laughs> We're going to set aside about two or three years. Amen. But um, this is just something that the Lord laid on my heart is to walk us through the Bible. And I know I'm talking a lot today, but I'm I got a lot to say. It's Vision Sunday. Woo! It's Vision Sunday. So I'm going to be talking a lot. Um, but one thing that the Lord has laid on my heart is to walk us through the Bible um, so that we have context of Scripture. Uh, one thing that bothers me is when people just pick and choose what they want the Bible to say. Um, I know, you know, you, you've probably heard people turn here. See, it says that. And then you read the whole chapter and you're like, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> or they, they say half of the verse and they go dot, 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 dot. And it's like, no, no. What does the rest of the verse say? Don't don't lie to me. So one thing I don't want to do is I don't want to deceive you guys. 
Um, if something says it in the Bible, I want to show you. I want to add context to it. And when you go home, you could be mad at me, but you you also got to be mad at the word because I I'm, I I ain't giving you nothing that ain't there. So it's not my opinion. It's not what I think. It's not my attitude. I'm not going to preach an agenda on Sunday. Uh, if you just happen to be in something and we land on that chapter that Sunday, I'm just going to be in your world. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe today is one of them Sundays. Hey, can I tell you the truth? There's been some Sundays I've been in my own world. If I could sit down, I would hand the mic to somebody else. Uh, So that's the joy of preaching scripture in context is that you give the whole word of God. You're not cutting anything short. You're not giving shortcuts. You're not isogeting, which is making your own agenda in the text. You know, I woke up this morning. I'm mad at Mother Nettie. So I'm gonna find something in the scripture on the way to church and preach at her. None of that. None of that. But if she's in certain issues and I just happen to land on that chapter that Sunday she came in. I love you, mother. But uh, this is just where we're at. Amen. So we're at first Samuel, the 31st chapter. You guys can turn there with me. First Samuel 31. It's not a long verse. Um, so I'm not going to be before you too long here. I'm going to spend a little time going over the vision for 2020 with you guys today. Um, so that's why we kind of had praise and worship a little shorter than usual. Are you guys there? All right. If you're not there, guess what? It's right here. It says the Philistines fought against Israel and Israel's men fled for them, fled from them. Many were killed on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons and killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab and Malkishua. When the battle intensified against Saul, the archers caught him with caught up with him and severely wounded him. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and run me through it, or these uncircumcised men will come up, will come and run me through and torture me. But his armor bearer would not do it because he was terrified. Then Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his own sword and died with him. That's loyalty. So on that day, Saul died together with his three sons, his armor bearer and all his men. When the men of Israel on the other side of the valley and on the other side of the Jordan saw that saw that Israel's men had run away and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the cities and fled. So the Philistines came and settled in them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons dead on Mount Gilboa. They cut off Saul's head, looks familiar, stripped off his armor and sent his messengers throughout the land of the Philistine to spread the good news and the temples of the of their idols among the people. Then they put his armor in the temple of the Asherahs and hung his body on the wall of Bethshem. When the residents of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, All their brave men set out journey all night and retrieved the body of Saul and the bodies of his son from the wall of Bethshem. When they arrived at Jabesh, they burned the bodies there. Afterward, they took their bone, took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted seven days. This is a way to end a chapter, ain't it? A way to end the chapter. In a way, when we did all these last few weeks talking about Saul running after David, in a way, 
it seems like it's rightfully supposed to happen. But looking at it from another angle, it's kind of a sad situation. Because Saul was nothing more but the repercussions of Israel's desire. Israel was under the umbrella of God. They were a theocracy. They desired a king. And Saul was nothing more but the product of what they desired. So he finds himself not completely molded to be king, but called because of someone else's desire. Mm. Sometimes (laughs) we expect things out of people that were never called to be what they were supposed to be in our life. (laughs) You date someone and you think you can make them into what you want them to be. But that never was what their design was to be. So they're nothing more but a product of your desire. Mm. So Saul is 30 something years old, still living with his daddy, still taking care of his daddy's donkeys. Red flag. (laughs) He can't keep control of his daddy's donkeys. Red flag. He's never been in a fight a day in his life. He's not a soldier. Red flag. But he's tall. He's handsome. He has the look, but he has no skill (laughs) set. And sometimes our desire is based off of looks, not skill set. So now Saul is stuck into something and put into a position to be something that he's not qualified for, designed for, built for. And now he's walking in a calling that he never was really designed to be in. Mm. Y'all with me? So we come and we see Saul. Saul is anointed. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. When Saul is anointed, he's given a purpose. And his purpose is to defeat the enemies of Israel. We come to the 11th chapter of 1 Samuel. When we come to the 11th chapter of 1 Samuel, the Bible says that the Ammonites came up against Israel. Y'all remember who the Ammonites is? I do this every Sunday. I just like messing with y'all. Y'all remember who the Ammonites is? Ammonite. Ammon. Had a brother named Moab. Their daddy's name was Lot. So this is the Ammonites. The Ammonites have come up against Israel. Israel and them start hiding in their caves. They start, they're afraid. They start crying. And the Bible says that Saul is walking one day with a cart behind him. He sees the people going on like crazy. And he says, what is wrong with y'all? And they said, the Ammonites told us that we got seven days or they're going to kill us. And the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord rose up against Saul that day. And that day, 330,000 people followed him and they had victory over the Ammonites. couldn't tell me nothing if I beat somebody and had 330,000 people behind me. And that's what happened with Saul. His arrogance had him believing that he had something to do with the victory. Mm. 
And because his arrogance got in the way, he now goes into other battles thinking that the power belongs to him and not to God. We find out that Saul really has no relationship with God. Because when he's chasing his father's donkeys, they tell him about a prophet. He looks Samuel right in the face and don't even know that Samuel is the prophet over the whole country of Israel. We never see him offer any sacrifices. We never see him worship. Psalm has, David has a hundred and something Psalms in the book of Psalms. Now we know Moses wrote some and Solomon wrote some, uh, but he has probably over a hundred of those Psalms belong to David, which tells us that he's a worshiper, but we've never seen Saul even give God a chapter of praise. Amen. Amen. You right. No worship, no praise, no commitment to God, but he's supposed to be the king of Israel. Who wants a king? That has no connection to God. Oh, we can ask that question even now. Who wants a president that has no connection to God? (laughs) Who? This is Saul. So Saul gets caught up in his arrogance. And the Bible says that in the 13th chapter, They're under attack from the Philistines. The same people that we're going to read about in the 31st chapter in the next couple minutes. The Philistines was Saul's kryptonite. Y'all remember Goliath? Where was he from? Philistine. Gath of Philistine. We see in the 13th chapter, he's fighting and he's afraid of the Philistines. And we see in the 31st chapter, he dies at the hands of the Philistines, which tells us that the Philistines was Saul's weakness. The problem is the person that can defeat the Philistines, he's chased away. Yes, yes, yes. You got to be careful of chasing away people that can help you. You got to be careful of chasing away people that can strengthen you when you're at your weakest point. When you struggle with certain things, you need certain people that are strong in those areas to help you. You don't want to chase them away. You need them in your life. If I have an addiction, I need somebody that can beat addiction. I need somebody that can walk me through this. I don't need to chase them away or else I expose myself to something that I can't defeat. So because he's afraid of the Philistines, what does he do? What does he do? He goes and offers a sacrifice to God because Samuel is always late. Samuel comes and says, what are you doing? He says, I was offering a sacrifice. And he says, do you realize what you just done? You've just cut yourself off from being king forever. Now watch this. The first time he never mentioned the sons, which meant that Jonathan still had a chance. But then we get to the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel. And when we get to the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel, the Bible says, God says, all right, now I need you to do me an assignment. Do you remember back in Exodus when the Amalekites tried to destroy Israel as I was bringing them into the promise. 
And I told you guys to write this down because a day was going to come that I was going to give you complete victory. Well, Saul, the time is now. And I am giving you one of the greatest assignments I have ever given anybody. I want you to wipe out the Amalekites. Kill the men. Kill the women. Kill the children. Kill the cattle. Kill the dog. The cat. If they got mice in their house. Get an exterminator. I don't want nothing connected to an Amalekite at all. Kill it all. Why? Because if you don't kill this thing, you leave room for it to grow. If Saul would have done what God told him to do in the 15th chapter of 1 Samuel, when we got to the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel, David would have never had to fight an Amalekite. But because Saul left them available to remain alive, we get a whole chapter. And sometimes we get whole chapters in our lives, whole added chapters that are added to our life because we've done things out of disobedience. And now we spend a chapter of our life trying to correct the wrong that we didn't have to do if we did what God told us to do the first time. All right, y'all quiet in here. Y'all, y'all not telling the truth, but some of y'all got some extra chapters in your book. Uh, who am I talking? Am I the only one that's got some extra chapters in my book? I got some things that happened that I wish I didn't have to write in my own little spiritual journal. There's some certain things that I wish that God wouldn't have to bring up on judgment. There's some things that I wish that certain folks never knew about me because if I would have listened and obeyed God, I would have never had to have this extra chapter in my life. But now I'm fighting Amalekites and I'm fighting Amorites and I'm fighting Jebusites and I'm fighting Hivites and I'm fighting Hittites and I'm trying to remember all these ites, the Canaanites and all of these things because I wanted to do it my own way and now I can't be mad at God. I got to deal with the repercussions of what I did because I didn't obey God the first time. Look at your neighbor and say, don't add any extra chapters. Some of us have two, have some books that are too long. Set you back three years. Set you back 10 years. Set you back 18 years. Set you back 30 years. Because you allowed something to live that God gave you the power to destroy 30 years ago. Now you can't get rid of it. So now Saul does not do what God tells him to do. And what happens? Samuel comes and he hears some sheep. He hears some goats. He sees some women. He sees the king. And he says, Saul, what's going on? Saul's so disillusioned. He said, I did what you told me to do. You told me to kill the Amalekites. I killed all of them except the stuff that I liked. 
Oh, y'all, 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 y'all just frightened to hear y'all. Uh, oh, 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 it's some things that, that, that's easy for us to destroy, but there's some stuff that God wants you to get rid of, but you like it. So you make excuses on why it's still in your life. Uh, God, God going to save her. That's why I keep her close because I'm letting God do the work. So I just, and God saying, that's why certain things are studded because you're still connected to something that I've told you to get rid of. Certain things are happening in my life because I didn't destroy everything that God told me to destroy when he brought me out. So now Saul says, because you were disobedient, Samuel, because you were disobedient, not only will you be cut off, but your whole generation will be cut off. See, I gave you favor to grace last time. I was going to let Jonathan rule. But now you done messed it up for anybody with your last name. Could you imagine Messing up so bad that you messed up your next generation. You got to look at your children and know that they'll never go but so far. You got to look at your grandchildren and recognize that they're bound for disaster. You got to look at your daughters and realize that they'll never have a successful marriage. You got to look at certain things in your life and realize that it will never get better because you were disobedient to God. But how many of you can thank God that we don't live under the law? We thank God that we live under the grace of God. And I no longer have to accept curses. I no longer have to look at my children and say that they're going to go through what I went through and they're going to go through what grandmama went through and the mistakes that happened generations ago are going to face them. No, no, I can look at these things and say, I thank God for the blood of Jesus. That reverses of curses have happened and things have shifted and the victory will never, of the enemy will never overtake them. Now look at them and say, you still can make it. Yes, sir. Watch this. Even if I messed up, you still have hope. Yes, sir. Even if I have sinned, God can still use you. And I'm not going to allow my mistake to keep you from reaching your destiny. Yes, sir. I'm going to sit down, y'all. But rather in this situation, Saul ruins it for his whole entire family. Jonathan's walking around talking to David saying, I'm going to be second in command. Not realizing that his father has ruined his destiny. His other two sons are walking around fighting for Israel. Not realizing that no matter how much they fight, one day they're still going to be defeated. Every day they're walking up, giving themselves affirmations of success and how God is going to do this, how we're going to rule this kingdom one day. We're going to be three brothers that's going to rock this whole nation, not realizing that their father has already cursed their bloodline. This happened in the 15th chapter, but in the 16th chapter, there's a young boy that's sitting out in the fields of Bethlehem and Judah singing praises unto God. Minding his own business, looking at God and looking at the things of God and comparing things in his life to how God is to him. He's just a shepherd boy, but he realizes that he's nothing but a sheep. So he pins the 23rd Psalms and says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He treats his sheep like God treats him. Has no aspirations of being king. Neither does his father. Father brings in seven boys because he just assumes that the kingship must be in one of the older boys because there's something strange about that one that's on the hills writing these strange songs. He's little, he's ruddy, but little does the father know that when the bears and the lions come to try to devour the father's sheep, it's that ruddy little small boy that's fighting lions and tigers and bears out there in the fields of Israel. Little does he know that when things are going wrong, it's this little David boy, this 17 year old, the youngest, the one I'm forgetting about that has more power. It's the youngest one that is giving God praises when everybody else is just walking around and he doesn't even realize that in his house is one of the most powerful beings that we're going to ever read about in the scriptures. And this young little man comes up and fights against a Philistine that saw is afraid of because this boy walks by the spirit. Saul walks by the flesh and because he walks by the flesh, he sees a giant, but David, because he walks by the spirit, he sees victory. And the question I have to ask you is, are you walking by the spirit or are you walking by the flesh? Do you see defeat in 2020 or do you see victory in 2020? And it seems that from that day forth, Saul recognized that there was something different about this boy. And from chapter 16 to chapter 30, 29, 13 chapters, 10 years, we see that David is running from Saul, who's jealous. He's jealous of him. And for 10 years, he has to run Because Saul sees something in him that he feels like should have been him. But the truth of the matter is, Saul, you never was designed like David. Let me help y'all. And this is not to sound arrogant. But when you're called to do something, can't nobody do it like God called you to do it. So there's no room or there should be no room for jealousy. That's right. When God has called you and a certain arena has equipped you, has skilled you and has anointed you to do something, you shouldn't even be jealous of somebody stepping in this area because you know that that's what God has called you to do. Many a times the reason why we're jealous is because we're watching someone else operate in their gift that's right. and we don't know our gift. And we want their gift. So jealousy overtakes me because I desire something that I haven't been anointed to do. But when I've been anointed to do something, I'm not jealous because I'm operating in my calling. I can't be jealous of the CEO of Amazon. Yeah, He got a whole lot of money. But he put in a whole lot of effort that I ain't willing to put in. I don't want to look at books every day because that's what he started off as. An online bookstore. Now y'all got Prime. (laughs) Now y'all can order y'all Whole Foods for the Daniel Fast on Amazon. All that wasn't there. 
He started in a little office, but he knew his calling. And then you got folks that will hate and will try to copy, but it will never work when God has designed you to do something. So Saul is jealous of someone that he's never been built to be like. Samuel dies. And Samuel is the eyes of Israel. Am I boring y'all? Samuel is the eyes of Israel. And when Samuel dies, Israel's eyes shut. So there's no open vision. There's no prophet. So what does Saul do? Saul goes to a medium. He calls 1-800. Call me now. (laughs) He calls Miss Cleo. He calls Billy D. Williams. I'm I'm, I'm seeing how old some of y'all are. He calls Dion Warwick. All right. Some of y'all remember that Dion Warwick was on a psychic and friends. I only know because I watched on commercials. <laughs> Called all those people and watch this. Now she's a medium. We talked about this on Wednesday. She's seen spirits brought up before. But the Bible says that this time it scared her. And she screamed because she's seen the spirit of God come out of the grave. Hmm. Which means that God allowed this situation yes. to scare the medium. There you go. Good. So, and I want to get into all that. I don't want to get into witchcraft and all that weird stuff today. Because some folks try to use that to conjure up spirits. No, no. That was one example. And it had purpose. And watch this. He woke Samuel up from his sleep. <laughs> he woke Samuel up from the grave. And Samuel's message still never changed. Which tells you about God's word. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. That the mind of God never changes. That you can try to shift. You can try to maneuver. You can try to buy. You can try to sell. You can try to do whatever you want. But once God has said it. It's going to happen. And Samuel comes up out of the grave through spirit and says, you have messed up. You're going to die and your children are going to die. And he goes back into the grave and he goes back to sleep. Now we're at the 31st chapter. You guys with me? I've said a lot to say this. (laughs) 31st chapter, it says the Philistines. Who are the Philistines again? They're Saul's kryptonite. Fought against Israel. Now watch this. Where is David? David's still at Ziglag. Where's Ziglag? Ziglag is a city that belongs to who? The Philistines. Why is David in Ziglag? Hiding from Saul. Who's the only person that has ever defeated the Philistines? David. But because your your insecurity chased him away, now your biggest enemy has come up against you and you have no one to fight for you. Mm. So David is gone. 
And they're going up against Israel and Israel's men fled from them. Watch this. The moment they seen them, they start running. (laughs) Many were killed where? On Mount Gilboa. The Philistine overtook Saul and his sons and killed his sons. When the battle intensified against Saul, the archers caught up against, caught up with him and severely wounded him. Watch this. Stop, stop right here real quick. They are in Mount Gilboa. Mount Gilboa is a place of victory. Saul has won battles on this mountain before. But because he's caught up in what he's going through, he's lost focus that God can still give him victory. And because there's no open vision, there's no reminder that God can give him victory. Which shows us that whenever we're in battle, that is the greatest time that you stay connected to God. Oh, y'all quiet in here. The worst time to stop praying is when you're going through. The worst time to give up on God is when you're going through. The worst time to keep your mouth shut is when it seems like the enemy is fighting you on every side. The best time to be connected is when it seems like the enemy is having his way. And that's when God will give you a reminder that he is a God that is victorious. Who am I talking to today? Anybody ever been reminded before your back was against the wall and God had to remind you that I am the God that will bring you out. I am the God that will give you victory. I am the God that will save your family. I am the God that will heal your body. Every once in a while you gotta stay, y'all gotta help me today I feel like preaching. Every day, every once in a while, you gotta stay connected so that God can remind you whose side you're on. Look at your neighbor and say, do you know who's on your side? Help me Jesus. It reminds me of the scripture in the book of 2 Kings where where Elisha and his servant is running. Yes. They're in a mountain. Elisha ain't running. His servant is running. Because Cyprus and his men, the Syrians, decide that they're going to come up against Israel. And the Bible says that the servant begins to run to Elisha. And he says, Elisha or Elisha, however you want to pronounce it. He says, they're coming up against us. And Elisha sits back, puts his feet up, puts his hands behind his back. And he says, do you realize what I just said? He says, man of God, they're coming. They're coming. It's thousands of them. And he sits back and he chills. He's a matter of fact, go get me a bottle of water. I, I, I like my water chilled too. Make sure it's chilled from the springs of, of, of over there. Yeah, you give me something, something to chill on. And, and he says, man, do you hear what I'm saying? He says, hold on. Go ahead. Lord, open his eyes yes, sir. so that he can see yes, that those that are with us are more than those that are with they. And when the young man's eyes open, he began to see the host of the armies of God and his fear began to go away. That's why David says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Yes, sir. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies came up against me, they, what? They stumbled and fell. When God is on your side. My, my, my. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But he lost that connection. He lost that connection because Israel's eyes are closed and all he sees is Philistines. All he sees is Goliath's brothers. 
All he sees is swords and shields. And the young man that walked in the spirit that could have interceded for him, he chased away. And now he has to fight an enemy for himself that he's always been afraid of, but he's consumed in fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, which tells us that God ain't with him. Y'all with me? The Philistines overtook Saul and his sons and killed his sons. When the battlefire intensified, the archers caught up with him and severely wounded him. Their archers, they're what we would call snipers. They hit him in an area where he least expected it. When he least expected it, he was hit. And he folds. He now tells his servant, you could go to the next verse, get your sword, let me fall on it. Because he allowed a unexpected hit make him give up on God. Every once in a while, we get hit with things that are unexpected. You go to the doctor and he tells you something unexpected. You go to work and you find out that pink slips are being handed around unexpectedly. You find your family has died unexpected. And the question is, how do you handle crisis when they happen unexpectedly? Saul shows us how he handles pressure when things happen to him unexpectedly. He looks for a way out. Watch this. He ain't dead yet. He's just wounded. Woo! Got a coach. <laughs> he ain't dead. He's just wounded. Watch this. You ain't dead. You're just wounded. Wounded. Amen. So why are you looking to kill yourself when all you have right now is a wound? Yeah, the doctor said you sick, but he ain't said you dead. Yes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Amen. Yes, things have happened in your life, but you still breathing. Amen. Yes, the job didn't open up like you expected it to happen to, but you still got another job. But too many times we allow unexpected things to say, God, I'm finished, and we quit prematurely. God knew this about Saul. It wasn't that God couldn't save Saul. God knew Saul's heart. The question I have is, does God know your heart? Are you a quitter? Or are you willing to endure? Can you take those things that are piercing you in your life and keep it moving? Yes. Recognizing that I'm hurting, but I can still I can still walk. Amen. I'm grieved, yes. but I still trust in the Lord. Well, right. My back is against the wall, but there's still power yes. in the name of Jesus. Yes. Things are happening all over my family. All things is breaking out this year. It seemed like it's crazy in 2020, but God is still able. Yes. It's only the first month of the year. God is still able. Yes. 
to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I can ask or even think. I'm not going to allow some sniper with a little arrow to take me out. I still have hope. Yes. I got to close here today. I'm talking to somebody. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I'm talking to you. You still got hope. Amen. There's some things you have heard in the last couple of weeks and you don't agree with them. You don't like them. Don't you look for a way out. You trust God. Because he's not only the God that will deliver you, but he's also the God that will heal you. Amen. And I go a step further. Some of y'all is ready to quit y'all fast. Three days in. <laughs> you was hit with that thorn of hunger. I just can't do it. And God said, I got you. Some of us made some mistakes, but I'm talking about the folk that just quit all together. They just got them a turkey sandwich. I'm eat chicken every night. We got to realize that sometimes things are going to hit us unexpectedly. But we got to get up and still trust God. Y'all with me? So he said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run through it with me. Can I ask you a question? Only Dad Herbert probably get this. Um, where's Abner? And aren't we going to hear about him in some other chapters later on? And ain't he like the secretary of defense? Where's the man that's supposed to protect the king when the king needed him most? Hmm. Abner was the same fellow that replaced David. This is what happens when you try to operate in a position that you weren't called to be a, or to work in. Because now the, t- the test has not just tested Saul, but it has tested the people that said, I got your back. And when Saul needed Abner most. Gone. So he says, draw your sword and run me through it. Or these uncircumcised men will come and run me through and torture me. But his armor bearer would not do it because he was terrified. Then Saul took his sword and fell on it. Next verse. When his armor bearer saw that he was dead, he also fell on his sword. So that day Saul died together with his three sons, the armor bearer, and all 3,000 of his men. Remember those same 3,000 men that were asleep around him when he was sleeping a couple chapters ago? That's what happened when you don't watch and pray. Amen. Everybody dead. Next verse. When the men of Israel on the other side of the valley and on the other side of the Jordan saw that Israel's men had run away and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled. This is the Ammonites, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. They on the other side of the Jordan and said, you know what, I'm going to go this way. It ain't like they bringing boats over there, but they don't want no smoke from the other side. They abandoned their cities and fled. So the Philistines came and settled in them. So now you gave room to the enemy because you ran away from something that God promised you. But things like this happen when God's eyes are closed. 
Things like that happen when you ain't talking to God. Things happen like that when you don't seek his face. God allows you to operate on fear and then allows people to occupy something that should have been yours. You should have applied for that job. But you were afraid of your credentials. And God never told you to look at your resume. God said, I got you. But you allow fear to prevent you from taking what God had for you. And now the Philistines is settling in something that was yours. We've all have missed some opportunities. When God told us to jump, we didn't jump. And then got the audacity to have an attitude when you drive by and people is just smiling, bringing boxes into your house. God just told me that was my idea. I told you to fast pray, save your money. Trust me. You ain't do none of it. Perfect example. Next verse. The next day when the Philistines came to strip the, strip the dead, they found Saul and his son, three sons dead on Mount Gilboa. They found them dead in a place where they were supposed to have victory. They cut off what? Whose head did David cut off? And what was Goliath? A Philistine. The Philistines said, you did this to our man. We're going to do it to your king. They got back at Israel of what David did to their man. (laughs) And meanwhile, David is chilling in Ziglag. (laughs) Stripped off his armor. What did David do? He took Goliath's sword, his armor. And sent the messengers throughout the land of the Philistine to spread the good news in the temples of their idols among the people. So they took his armor, stripped it off, and they took his armor to their temple. What did David do with Goliath's armor? He took it to his temple. And remember when he was on a run from Saul? And he ran across the priest and he says, do you have any weapons? He says, I have nothing except for Goliath's sword. And he gave that to Goliath or to David. And David ran into the place of the Philistines just a couple chapters ago. And he ran across the man by the name of Akish. And when he realized that he was in the presence of the Philistines, the Bible says he acted mad. Started acting crazy. Spit got all up in his beard. And when he was able to make an a room of escape out of that situation, the Bible says he penned the 34th Psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. That psalm was based out of God making a room of escape. Y'all with me? He sent the messengers throughout the land of Philistine to spread the good news in the temples of the idols among the people. Next verse. I'm almost done, y'all. Then they put his armor in the, what I tell you, in the temple of the Asheroths and hung his body on the wall of Bethshan. When the residents of Jabesh Gilead Heard what the Philistines had done to Saul. These are Israelites. All their brave men set out, comma, journeyed all night 
and retrieved the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshem. Why did Jabesh Gilead get involved with getting Saul's body? Why did they care so much about his dignity? If you go back to the 11th chapter of 1 Samuel, when the Ammonites came up against Israel, the Bible says they fought against the people of Jabesh Gilead. They never forgot how Saul helped them. So when they found out that Saul had died, they went back to get his body so that he could have a dignified funeral. So he did do some good deed. Somebody did care for him. When they arrived at Jabesh, they burned the bodies there. Afterward, they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree and Jabesh and fasted seven days. This is the end of the life of a king of Israel. This is it. This is what happens when you choose things out of the desires of your heart that don't align with the will of God. Uh Uh-oh. But the Bible says he shall give you the desires of your heart. He sure will. But he also says, when thou prayest, pray thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Allow my desire to match your will. See, sometimes our desires don't match his will. And he honors the scripture and he gives you the desires of your heart. But then you wish your heart didn't have that desire after you get it sometimes. I'm finished here, y'all. I'm going to give you three points. Then I'm going to go over the vision. All right, we're making good time. Number one. All right. You with me? Don't chase away the people God has assigned to be in your life. Sometimes you don't like to be checked. <laughs> Sometimes you don't like to be held accountable. All right, y'all. All right, I'm on. So you don't pick up the phone for the people that hold you accountable. You find ways to avoid that person that's going to call you out on your mess. You try to disconnect from them saying they always in my business. No, they calling you out on what you're doing. And what happens is you chase people away that hold you accountable so that you can be rebellious. And then you end up like Saul. Know what people are good for you. There are some people that are just nosy. (laughs) But there are some people that actually really care about you. And people that love you tell you the truth. All right, y'all ain't got a mama. (laughs) y'all ain't got a friend or a brother a sister somebody that really just tell you look you was wrong don't chase those people away sometimes those are the people that you need in your life spouse best friend we all got one that we hold accountable or that holds us accountable number two stay connected to God that was the whole gist of Saul's whole story He showed us the example of what happens when you allow God's eyes to close. 
and when you don't stay connected to God for yourself. Watch this. Thank God for the pastor. I know y'all, 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 y'all ain't going to like this. I ain't supposed to say this. I ain't supposed to say this. I ain't supposed to say this because a lot of pastors want y'all dependent on them. But can I tell y'all something? Y'all can reach God for yourself. You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of them want you to stay connected. How, how God gonna talk to you? He ain't gonna talk to me first. He ain't gonna talk to you. That's right. And my main concern is why ain't he talking to you? Because if 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 if, if he would have talked to you, he wouldn't have had to tell me. Because you would have held me accountable. But because you don't hold yourself accountable, he had to skip you and tell me. Let's lose that. We don't do that here. There are certain times God going to speak to y'all and I ain't going to know nothing about it. And y'all going to say, God said, I'm going to say, praise the Lord. Amen. And it might be sometimes where y'all say something, I'm like, mm-hmm, maybe you need to go back to God. <laughs> <laughs> but you need to be connected to God for yourself. I'm, I am not the mediator between God and, and, and you. The Bible says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So when we pray, we don't say Father name, Father God in the name of Pastor Joel. We say Father God in the name of Jesus because he is our mediator. Stay connected to him. Number three. <laughs> y'all just, <laughs> y'all make, making sure this message get across. <laughs> Repent! That's how I, as soon as I, it's like the word screamed in my ear. <laughs> Repent. Repent. I don't, I don't think I have to say anything else. When you see your flaws, when you see your shortcomings, repent. He is able to forgive you. Repent. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message on today, God. Thank you, Lord, for how you've got us through the whole entire chapter of 1 Samuel. Book of First Samuel, uh, many lessons, many ups and downs, many high points, low points. Uh, but God, you've shown us throughout the scriptures your faithfulness. Uh, you've also taught, taught us lessons of depending on you and trusting you in our hardest times, God. And God, today, God, we're coming before you, God, asking you, God, that you continue to look upon us, God, that you continue, God, to just guide our steps and guide our walk in you, God, protect us. God, allow us, God, to make the right decisions. Allow us, God, to continue, God, to call on your name, God, when our vision gets a little cloudy and we get in dark places. Allow us to understand who you are in our life. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you touch each and every single person in here, name by name, one by one. God, you know their needs. God, you know their requests. God, touch us in all of our different areas of our life. And we thank you and we give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go-hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week. 